God will never pass away. You never want to take the word of God and say, well, I've heard that before. No, it's a living word. It's the living bread. It's, it's that that we eat spiritually. And Jesus said that man would not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And uh, it's life. It produces life in us. There's life in the word. It's the only book in the world that's energized by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. And this word is a quickening word. It's a living word. It quickens us to life. Amen. We were born again by that incorruptible seed, the, the Word of God. We obeyed what, what uh, the Word said that we would do, and we reap the results of, of life by placing our faith and trust in Christ alone. Amen. And what He did. Amen. And Thank you, Father. I don't want... Uh, I know there's a foundation that God is really, really wanting to establish. You know, if you're going to build a building, it's only going to be as strong as the foundation. And if you don't have the right foundation, then the building will not stand. And we know that foundation has been laid, and none of the foundation could be laid but Christ himself. And yet, uh, we, we don't want to think that, that we are, you know, doing everything and uh, that we don't need to do anything, uh, anything more. Our salvation has been secured, and so we're just kind of drifting along, and, but it don't work that way. Our foundation stands sure, and we want to keep it that way. And we don't want to be moved off. You know, our nation's in trouble because the enemy has came within, and, and we know that wicked men have come within, and they've moved us off of the foundation that the nation was founded on. God is no longer popular, if you understand that. But in the beginning, the biggest church in America was held in, in uh, Washington, D.C., in uh, the Capitol building there. And people don't know that, but it's true, and history bears that out. But let's pray right now, and Father, I want to thank you for your truth that makes us free. You said if we continue to follow you, that we would know that truth, and that truth would make us free. Lord, you are freeing us from our self. You're freeing us from that self-life, and you're liberating us in yourself. And we thank you, Jesus, that it is not about us, but it's about you. Everything has to be about you. You are the glorified one. You are the exalted one. And today, you're in this place. You're in this, this place today, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to transform us even further, Lord, and to change our hearts. And we thank you for that supernatural transformation of our heart. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I want to read Romans 5.17 again. Uh, this is a verse that, that uh, 
is a verse that you and I will pay attention to. It says, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, and that one is Jesus Christ. There's no other. Amen? Praise God. You shall reign in life. Now, this, uh, this can be interpreted and has been interpreted many different ways. But by the, the, the ability of the Holy Spirit, I want to bring what reigning in life really means. Jesus said this, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And you know, I really know that he meant what he said. Is that something future or is that something that, that we can partake of now in that life? We know that we have been resurrected from death to life when we are born of the Spirit. But it's not a one-time thing. I believe it's a continual being raised up and resurrected into Christ through the cross every day that we live. That word abundantly means an exceeding measure. It means something above the ordinary. It means beyond measure. What God wants to do for you, you can't measure. It goes into uh, really the word life is, is Zoe, and that's, that, that is, is, is an absolute life in, ab, in the absolute sense or life as God has it. You say, can I have life as God has it? Yes. Now, the question is, do I really believe what I believe is really real? Amen. Do I really believe that within me, within this body, this fleshly body, there dwells the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead? Do I really believe that? Well, the Word of God says that. Amen. And you know, when George Barna did a survey, he found that only 9% of, of the, what, what would you call them, uh, uh, fundamental Christians, only 9% had a biblical worldview. And what that meant was, that only 9% really believed all of the Word of God. It's alarming that 50% of the church today does not believe in surveying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. One very popular megachurch pastor came out and publicly said, that he believed that the Hindus, if they were sincere, they would be in heaven. Well, you know, I, I, I tell people, if they want to say, well, that's, you know, that's very narrow and you're, you're just a bigot if you believe he's the only way. Well, I didn't say it. God said it. Amen. And it's God's heaven and God prepared, amen, the way to go there. 
And there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you can't see heaven. You won't, you won't enter that place called heaven. And that's the importance of, of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, why, why would God make it that way? Because so, God so loved us that he made it that way. And we want, we want to, to be a biblical worldview Christian. In other words, our life, we want to be directed by the word of God. Every word, Jesus said, you're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who spoke this? God did. You know, there's people saying, well, man wrote that book. He may have, but it wasn't just ordinary men. It was holy men of God, and, and they spoke as the Spirit of God. It was inspired of God. It was God-breathed. It was God-speaking, and this is the only book in the world. And I tell people, if you want the truth, go to the book. Amen. If you really want the truth, go to the book. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So what does reigning in life really mean? What does it really mean? I want to, again, bring today, because this is so prevalent uh, in Christendom today, in the modern church, I would say today, there is a belief about the grace of God covering everything from the cross that you were perfected from the cross, that your righteousness got an A-plus from the cross, and sin is no longer an issue with God. After the cross, after you've repented, there's no, no more need to repent. Well, you know, I say that, but there are people that are buying into this every day. And, and the person that's written this book, he is on television in 150 countries. Now think about this. That's a lot of of coverage in the world, and he is, he, is, he is bringing this gospel to a lost world, and he said when God revealed this to him, his church was only running like 2,000, and it immediately went to 15,000, and today it's well over 15,000, I think probably exceeding 30,000, and anyway, he wrote this book called Destined to Reign. And his name is Joseph Prince, uh, since he wrote the book and he's on television, I'll just call his name. And the book is The Secret of Effortless Success. It's a book about wholeness and victorious living. And in his opening statement, chapter 1, uh, page 1, opening statement, he says, you are called by the Lord to be a success, to enjoy wealth, to enjoy health, and to enjoy a victorious life. Um, he interprets the word reign, and, and he interprets that on, on page two of chapter one, saying it refers to a kingly judicial rule. In other words, to reign here is to reign in life as a king. Mm. Some translations put it that way. It's not true. To have kingly rule and to possess kingly dominion. And if you carry that far enough, there is a, a theology called dominion theology, another false doctrine, that 
the church is going to rise up and take their rightful place as, as in dominion that God gave man in the beginning, and we're going to present it back to Jesus after we take it over by dominion, by our who we are in Christ. Well, how many of you know that's, that's not the word? We know that. This is the carnal interpretation of the word that lays claim to a power. Now get this, not to be exercised until after Christ's return. And then it's only given to those who are faithful. Amen. How many of you know that we're faithful? He says, if you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. And, you know, that is a, dest a destiny of those that are faithful now. Amen. To be able to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity. Well, Paul addressed this same, this same belief to uh, the Corinthian church. And I want to go there because uh, nothing is new. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And he was addressing this to the puffed up uh, Corinthian church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, I want to read verse 8. Now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God that you did reign, and that we also might reign with you. Now he's talking about a different reigning. They're talking about in this life, reigning as kings. That's your best life now. How many of you know it's not your best life now? Amen. And then he goes on in verse number 14. He said, I don't write. And he, he started talking about suffering and dying to self in the next few verses. And then he says, I don't write these things to shame you as my beloved sons. I warn you. He said, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the cross. That's the only gospel. The preaching of the cross is the power of God to us who believe. Amen? It's foolishness to those that don't believe. And, you know, if you don't believe the cross, you're in trouble. And if you don't put the cross in every verse of the Bible, you're going to crash and burn. It's always... There's a meaning. And then he said, wherefore I beseech you that you be followers of me. Paul has confidence because Paul has the credentials. He, he gave them in the suffering that he went through just in those, those previous verses. He said, for this cause I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you to remembrance into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What was he teaching? He wasn't teaching what Prince said the Lord calls you to. It was totally the opposite. We know that. And anyway, he's going to come and he says, Do you want me to come with you that I shall come unto you with a rod? Or shall I come to you with, in love and with a spirit of meekness? He's correcting this church because of the way that they had gone. Listen, you need to get it right. I said last Sunday, 
We only have one shot at this. And we want, we want to do it right. Amen. And we want, when we stand before him, we don't want to be ashamed. And you can't go back. You cannot go back and you cannot correct anything. And as people say, well, you're just preaching legalism. No, I'm preaching grace, the gospel of grace that empowers us every day, amen, to walk with him and to experience what it means to reign in life. Well, let me continue, amen, in this. Thank you, Jesus. Prince, in his book, he boasts of Paul's message of grace. And he even puts Paul's message of grace over Christ's teachings. And in his book, he says that when people get saved, he does not tell them to go to the teachings of Christ, but to the teachings of Paul, because Christ, much of what Christ was saying was before the cross, and what Paul is saying is after the cross, and Paul got the revelation of the message of grace. Well... I want us to go to 1 Timothy, and I want us to hear what Paul is saying in his letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 3. He said, if any man, any man, doesn't care who it is, if any man teaches otherwise, And he's talking about the doctrine which is according to holiness. And he does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about words and strifes of words, which cometh, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. I want to continue reading. Perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. And get this, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now, we have a very popular message that's been promoted for many years throughout the world, and it's done much damage, I believe, because it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, in fact, in fact, I got a long-distance call this morning of a brother that's into this teaching, and he was, he was telling me that he is teaching deliverance on Wednesday night because you've got to get the people free before they can understand the economics of the Bible. And he's teaching how to prosper, how to prosper according to the Scriptures. And uh, you can make the Bible say anything that you want it to say, but you better listen to what the truth of the Word is saying. Amen? He said, withdraw yourself from these. And then he said, but godliness... With contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Now let me, let me make it very clear. What you are living for at this level is all going to, everything you've paid for at this level is going to be left behind. You're not going to take it with you. I did the, the service of the richest man in the county. I'd say he's the richest man because of his wealth. And I, I said, as I looked at him, or at the casket, I said, the only thing that he got out of this world with was his relationship with God, whatever that might have been. 
it is certain that we carry nothing out. And then it says, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Oh, wow. But they that be rich will fall into a temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. While some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But then he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, unto which thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, we don't need a commentary. We don't need uh, someone to explain what I just read to us. Pretty clear, isn't it? Amen. The Word of God. The message of Paul. Amen. And then he said that they, if you don't hold to the wholesome words of Jesus, you're, uh, you don't know anything. I want to go to what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter uh, 12. In Luke chapter 12, I want to go there. And I want to read verse 15. I hear those. Found it. You beat me. He said in King James, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Okay? And I would like to read that. I would like to read that in the uh, Amplified. Luke 12, 15, he said to them, guard yourselves and keep free from all covetousness, the immoderate desire for wealth, the greedy longing to have more, for a man's life does not consist and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. And that's pretty clear, isn't it? And then he gives a parable, and I would like to read that, continue reading it. He gives a parable of the rich man, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, verse 16 of Luke 12, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for, for many years. Take thine ease, eat and drink and be merry. But God said unto him, God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then he says, so is he that lays not up treasures for himself 
and is not rich toward God. Amen. Now, I know that uh, we can take inventory, especially when it comes, if, you're, if you have tax deductions, of what you have given to the Lord. And that's a good, that's a good way to see where you're at in your, in your monetary giving. And I know it's not just money, but money's, how many of you know money is the starting point of everything with God? He tests the heart of man. You can't serve God and, and the unrighteous money. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm so grateful to be born in America. I'm so thankful I wasn't born in Iran or Iraq. I could be bowing down five times a day to a demon God. Amen? That's only the grace of God. But I've been born in America, and you've been born in America. And, and you know, you might say we've been born and bred in America, and it's been bred into us. Amen. We've been immersed in something that, that God, through His Word, warned about, and that was materialism. <laughs> Nothing wrong with things, but I tell you what, in America, uh, you know, we've heard of the American dream. It's kind of like get all you can and can all you get, and, and you owe it to yourself. Have you heard that? And we're just kind of an exceptional people. But I tell people, it's easier to live a biblical lifestyle in a country that's going through great tribulation or great persecution than maybe here in this country where we have everything. You know, I'm not saying that it, you know, that we should it should be wrong, but we really have to guard ourselves against these things. And I know that God blesses. I know that. And when God blesses and he adds to, the things don't have you. <laughs> they don't tell you when you got to go to work and how much you got to, you know, make to pay for the things. But when you have things, if God adds them, you have things rather than things having you. And, and that's very clear. Amen. I want that clear that it's, it's not wrong to have things, but it is wrong to have a covetous heart. Amen. So what does reigning in life really mean? And I want to give you uh, the Greek, the original Greek indicates, when it says shall reign in life, it indicates the activity of life in fellowship with Christ in his sovereign power. And it's reaching its fullness after Christ's return. And it's all about walking with him, in fellowship with him, in the power of his spirit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And recognizing, amen, through the cross, who we are, amen, and we've been raised up, amen, in Christ. It means to find life. It means one must lose life. And you know that losing life is a daily thing, is it not? How many you know that every day you have an opportunity to die to yourself? I know this isn't a popular message. I know it's something that Jesus said, and it's something that we need to, we need to adhere to. Amen? Listen. How many of you know that every, everything in his word has a price tag? They say, well, Jesus paid for it. It's all, and it's, it's free. Salvation is free. There's a cost. There is a cost. To follow Jesus, there's a cost. He gave, he gave us the cost 
He gave us the cost. And uh, you want it? It costs that much. Amen. How many of you know God doesn't have a sale? Uh, he doesn't run a sale. Remember Jesus told about the rich young ruler that came to him. And this rich young ruler asked, he asked Jesus, he said, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, talked to him about the law, and he said, all those things I've kept from my youth. And then Jesus said something to him. He got to the heart of the matter. He said to him, go thy way and sell whatsoever you have and give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. This is what Jesus said to him. And then he said, and come and take up your cross and follow me. And you remember the story that he was sad at this saying. And he went away grieved because he had great possessions. Now, can we apply this that, that we're to go out and sell everything that we have and give to the poor? No, he's not saying that. He knew where the man's heart was. Amen? There's nothing wrong to have the blessings of God in our lives, but our heart must not be set upon them. You can't be attached to things. You know, if you lost everything today and you, you still had Jesus, you still would have everything. But if you, if you lost Jesus and had everything, you would have nothing. The world and the things of the world are passing away right before our eyes. We're coming to the very end. I believe that with all of my heart. I was talking with some young men. It's good to have Sam this morning visiting with us. Amen. And you know, we're at the very door. We're at the very hour. I believe the last hour of faith. Amen. And Christ will come again. Thank you, Jesus. Well, getting back to what Prince said, he said, you're called by the Lord to be a success, to have and enjoy wealth, to enjoy health, to have a life of victory. I guess all those things is what entails victory. Jesus said this, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. And what that means, that word tribulation, you're going to have you're going to have some big problems. You're going to have some things come your way that's going to be whammies even. And you're going to have some big testings and trials. But he said, you be of good cheer, for I have overcame the world. I've overcame everything that you'll encounter in the world. I have overcome it for you. And this is my victory, is my faith in what Jesus did. Amen. There was a reason why he came and lived at this level and went through all that he went through at this level, not for himself, but he was doing it for you personally, that you could have, amen, what he had to give you. And that is life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to go to Matthew, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, and I know we've read this, but we need, to, we need to have this very clear on a daily basis. Matthew 16, verse 24. I want to read there. Jesus said to his disciples, If any man come, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And then he says, for what 
Is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his own works. And what he's saying is that we must take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, I ask this question, if is what I'm living for worth Christ dying for? Now, Brian sang a song, it's been way, way back, called The Great Exchange. And that's really what it's all about. My all for his all. My all for your all. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to go to another passage, Jesus speaking along the same lines. There is a cost to following him. And I know we have read this. It's not repetitious. It's Jesus speaking. The words that he spoke, amen, will never pass away. Amen. I want to read Luke 14, 26, beginning there. If any man comes to me, and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brethren, his sisters. Yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Now we know that he is not teaching hatred for hatred's sake. What he's saying is, your love for me is going to be greater than any love for any other person. Even those that's closest to you. Your love for me is going to be greater. You're going to love me more than anyone. Amen. And whoever does not bear his cross, there we have the cross again, and the cross bears one thing, death. How many of you know when God sees death, it reminds him of Christ, amen, his, his son dying on the cross. Whenever he sees death, amen, there's always going to be resurrection. When you die, you're going to get life. When I die, I'm going to get life. Amen. I'm going to, that's a principle. He says, whoever does not bear his cross and, and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Now, um, you know, to disciple someone in Christ, this is the very foundation message. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cost you everything. You're going to surrender everything. You know, I, I've had people tell me, I can't live that way. No, you can in your own strength. But this is what grace is all about. Amen? This is what God working in the heart and transforming our heart and giving us His heart to where we desire Him. And He alone is our desire. Amen? He's that pearl of great price. He's that treasure. Amen? That we sell everything and we buy that field for that one treasure. It's talking about the value, amen, that we must place on what Jesus did for us. It was no little thing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And then he goes and he says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has sufficient funds to finish it? At least happily after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock. How many of you know we're, gonna, we're in this for the finish? Amen. We're going all the way. We're going all the way. Amen. 
And they began to say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. How many people have become dropouts? How many people have had family members that, you know, they, in, in fact, uh, one of our ladies here, her brother was on fire when, he, when she got saved. And he was in another state. And, and then he became a dropout. And she's exhorting him now that he better get back in faith because the Lord is coming. Amen. They began to say he wasn't able to finish. And, and, he, and then he talks about going to war. What king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that's coming against him with 20,000. There's a cost. There's spiritual warfare. You know, the enemy is, he's the enemy of our soul. And there's no neutral uh, place. There is, you know, you, there's no place you can get. Every day, amen, if you're walking with Jesus, you're going to have spiritual warfare. But the good, the good part is, amen, we have authority. Amen. We have authority to cast him out every day. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have to cast him out every day. I cast him out. I, I bind his lies and I cast him out in the name of Jesus every day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassador desiring conditions of peace. Then he said, so likewise, whoever... Whoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Well, that's pretty straight. That's pretty strict, huh? But Jesus said this, straight is the gate and narrows the way that leads to life. You've heard this. Amen. And you know what we want? We want every day, amen, to reign in this life that Jesus is imparting to us. A true disciple, and get this, a true disciple is always dying. Always dying. And if you don't carry the death, you don't get the life. You can't have the life. When I die, I have the life. Amen. Praise God. And you know what it comes down to? You know what spiritual warfare is really all about? It's about the flesh warring against the spirit. Which way am I going to go? Am I going to sow to my flesh and reap that corruption? Or am I going to sow to the Spirit and reap the life? Amen. And the peace of God. That's, that's what it comes down to. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, We which live, we are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. You, you, don't, hear, you, don't, you don't hear this. On, on your, your TV ministries. You, you won't hear this message. In fact, you won't hear, you won't hear the truth in, in many of the churches in America because they've gone the other way. It's about the self-life. I heard a pastor out of Georgia this morning, Dr. Michael Youssef, and he was saying there's very few churches that really are preaching the truth of God's Word. He says, we are delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And then he says, that the life also of Jesus. Now get that. That the life 
of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. How many know we are his body? These hands are his hands. These eyes are his eyes. Right? These feet are his feet. Amen? My body is his temple. He lives in me. Where I go, Jesus goes. And he wants, he wants to manifest his life through me. And that's, that's by him giving me his heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, from the heart uh, are the issues of life. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to quote missionary Jim Elliott. Most, most of you weren't even alive back then. But he wrote in his diary, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that that he cannot lose. He wrote that in his diary. And it was shortly after that in 1956 that he, along with four other young missionaries, and they, they even made a movie of it at the end of the sphere. How many of you heard of the movie? And anyway, it's about these five young out-of-college men that went to the mission field, and they went to, to convert a tribe in eastern Ecuador, the Aqua, Aqua, Aqua Indians. And uh, anyway, when they thought they'd gained their confidence by circling their village and dangling a rope down and giving them, you know, clothing and pots and different gifts, they landed on a beachhead and that very day, they all were speared to death. They all lost their life. But you know something? A book was written, I think by his sister maybe, through Gates of Splendor. All five of them went, went through Gates of Splendor. He said, what a waste. No, the, the, as the story goes and as it, as it ended, they were a tribe when, when feuds would break out. They would kill a whole family if they, if they were in dispute. And a young lady escaped for her life. And uh, Rachel Saint came in contact with her. She was, her name was Dayuma. How many of you remember that story? And she learned the language. And she goes back in with Dayuma. And she wins the whole tribe. And they were savages. I mean, they killed... The, the Shell Oil Company had to abandon their, their work there because they were so savage. And she wins the whole tribe. And you know what? You know why that tribe was won? They said, you love us after we killed your family. Wow. It wasn't a waste, was it? Thank you, Jesus. Well... Thank you, Lord. Could I read to you uh, again? I'd like to read out of the Amplified again. Uh, I want to read to you what Paul said in Philippians 3. Thank you, Jesus. I want to begin reading in verse number 7. He said, What, but what. Ever former things I had that I might have been that might have been gained to me, I have come to consider as loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss 
compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overflowing preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him and perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuge, dregs, in order that I may win or gain Christ the Anointed One, that I may actually be found and known as in Him, and not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my, my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness or supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing, possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, that anointed one, the truly right standing with God that comes from God by, by saving faith. 